the Collective Whisper Podcast with Simon King. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Collective Whisper Podcast with your host, Simon Kay. Thank you very much for joining us again this week, guys, and we hope you're looking forward to everything that life is going to bring you in the next few weeks, plus some great guests on this show. And before we get to the next guest, I'd just like to ask you, please follow and subscribe wherever you see the button, and please follow our show and share it with all your friends and neighbors. Okay, so our next guest this week is Sinead Dalton. Sinead Dalton is a TV and media producer. Sinead is currently working with DIY SOS, the big build for Motive TV. Sinead was also the assistant producer of The Elaine Show on Virgin Media One. Her work covered organizing, producing and editing BTS, research and booking guests and new panelists, as well as coming up with creative new ideas for the show. Over the last few years, she produced and edited such pieces as Elementary Elaine, Talking Heads, Train with Elaine and an annual Halloween project, which had been filmed locally and in Salem, Massachusetts. She previously worked with other media companies such as Spirit FM and as a news anchor for 98FM and Spin 103.8. She has a 2.1 Masters in Journalism and Media Communication which she received from Griffith College in 2014 and an Honours Degree in Theology and English Literature. She spent time abroad in Australia building her career working with St Kilda News in Melbourne. She has a 2.1 Masters in Journalism and Media Communication which she received from Griffith College in 2014 and an Honours Degree in Theology and English Literature. She spent time abroad in Australia building her career working with St. Kilda News in Melbourne. Okay, so welcome to the show, Sinead Dalton. How are you? I am very good. How are you? Good. It's lovely to talk to you. You're, you're, what's the weather like where you are right now? Oh, don't get me started. Now it's cold, it's nippy, it's, the rain has stopped. Storm Barra had us going there last week, but... Um, no, no, it's calmed down a bit now, but I'd say, I'd say there, there'll be a few around the corner before the winter's out now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, people say to me, oh, you're in Alicante, the weather must be much better. But it's been, it's mild here, but it's been quite, uh, I I don't want to say stormy, but very windy because um, we kind of get the tail end of those. For example, when you had Arwen there a week or two ago, a few days later, we got the tail end of it. You know, the tail end of it, you poor thing. The poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> the tail end terrible. of it. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's a, and you know, it's funny. I do say sometimes now, oh, it's cold. And I'm thinking, when I say it, I'm thinking, if I was at home now in Ireland now, I'd be like thinking, it's not cold. No, you're not allowed to say that anymore. You're not allowed. Okay. No. <laughs> if you've Alicante in your address, not allowed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me, tell me, Sinead, obviously, you know, you're pretty busy at the moment. Um, I know you're you're working on the the DIY SOS, the big build, and all that. Is that still going ahead? Because it's like that's kind of a series, so that's continuously moving, isn't it? Yeah. So um, we've actually come to the end. So series two has uh, been wrapped up. So it's gone to the edit now, and um, we finished that up last. I think it was last Friday. So our final one this this of the season. Uh, was held down in Waterford for mum of two, Laura Sheridan and her three kids. So beautiful stories along the way. They're definitely one to watch out for in the coming months. Yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. And, and you know, um, 
I mean, the, the, the whole setup and, and people helping out and just the whole team process, I can imagine working in that kind of environment is really nice to no? Yeah, it's obviously, it's very different from what I've been doing over the last couple of years. And then it's, it's really like hands on and great, like chatting to people. And I tell you, I could actually probably give it a go at building a house after it. Now, I'm not saying it would stand up or it would have a roof, but I do know now a lot of kind of more <laughs> technical terms, which my dad would be proud of um, when it comes to building. But apart from that, no, it was really like it was so good to get involved with it 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 really made me kind of realize how generous people are and how you know us as an Irish nation when something's happening and we call out for it because initially when I jumped on board it was like okay well you're gonna have to contact people and the whole concept is that people give either their free time or they give free products or everything pretty much is on the basis of free items um, and so you have to kind of ring them and get get them involved and stuff. So you can imagine if I ring you and ask for something for free, like it's a tough, it's a tough thing. And I, and I was slightly kind of dreading that initially, but I actually could not get over the generosity of people. And the, the and this is not after like a full conversation of a phone of trying to persuade somebody. This literally was, yeah, no worries. Would love to get involved brilliant not a bother I I just couldn't like I I was overwhelmed and shocked well not shocked shocked is probably the wrong word but um just like I was I was really proud to kind of say that oh my god these people are just giving their free time giving their you know parts of their business that would cost them a lot um and at a time we've we haven't had it easy COVID has been so tough especially for small businesses and that kind of thing but was no hesitation at all and the, that kind of really made me god oh, kind of step back and go god fair play like it was it was really really good yeah yeah really nice. well i mean i i'm always like when i see these things because i used to previously work as a carpenter for years in ireland and so i know the whole building game and i know how tough it can be to get projects done and i was laughing actually i think it was today or yesterday i saw one of your posts and you were looking for or maybe it was an older one but you were looking for tradespeople and so on and i was thinking to myself that's probably very different like to when you were working on you know the the elaine show and these other projects because you're it's a different type of production. You're more like a project manager, aren't you? Um, yeah, well, listen, it's, 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 a, it's a totally different genre, category, kind of, um, you know, like with Elaine, it was more kind of personal things and, you know, my boyfriend's cheating on me. What do I do in comparison to you're dealing with real life stories here? And even like, and I found even within the build, you get immersed in your job. You get immersed in what you're doing and, and getting things together. And then all of a sudden you'd read back the individual stories again and it would be like, you'd remember why you're doing this. And, you know, the kind of, I remember when I jumped on board, the girls gave me one or two to have a quick look at again, just to jog my memory on the kind of whole, you know, formation of the show and that kind of thing. And I was in tears. I was in absolute tears watching them but tears in a good way um because it was just so lovely like these people that you get a chance to help 
um, and the the you know by coming together and all these different trades coming together and doing a small bit of what they can do say like you said carpentry and then there's you know plumbers and builders and you know it it can make such a big difference um to the lives of these people and it just kind of kind of brings you back to reality as well kind of reminds you of what you have in your life and being thankful kind of kind of corny as that might say sound. it does remind you of what you have in your life and kind of to be grateful for that just great yeah and the thing is i can imagine you know for people like yourself producers working in you know different studios mm-hmm. and working with different people you know you have a you, you have a, a set way of working and you know how to deal with mm-hmm. these people and presenters and so on but then when you kind of switch tack and you're like out on the site and you're kind of working with trades people it's a different part of society and you're kind of maybe seeing, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but you're seeing people who are maybe more genuine in that way. And you're seeing real life stories rather than my boyfriend cheating on me. And these kind of stories that are for entertainment, you're seeing things that actually make a difference to society and the people who are the real heroes in the background, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I don't think, well, like, I don't know whether you can like it's just they're they're so different the two of them and I mean okay you know while that is more of a hands-on project the DIY one and and people getting involved Elaine show in itself was actually comforting to people as well so you would answer questions or you would talk about topics that might actually relate to the person sitting on the couch so you know you could have you know Joanne Smith sitting there listening to a topic of how a woman didn't know what to do because she had two kids and, you know, she didn't know how to deal with it and her partner was cheating or, or something on the lines of that. And getting the advice of women who have either been through it, who have either done it or just general girls and the guys, because we did have the boys on the Friday, um, was, was, was a helping hand in a, just a different way for them. So I suppose it's a, it's just different. Yeah, and a different demographic different. too, probably. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, you'd be surprised. Um, like, I mean, DIY SOS would reach out to a lot of people, but as did Elaine, like, you know, it's kind of, you know, you'd have the boys who wouldn't admit they watch it, but if it's on in the background there, oh, sure, what's going on there? You know, like, but um, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I think you'll find that with daytime or morning television, you know, it's something guys kind of, you know, they're they're flittering through the channels and then there'll be something on and then, you know, there could be a woman on a chat show talking about some or loose women or one of these kind of shows and they'll start watching and they'll be and maybe they'll be on their own. They'll be watching. If someone else comes in, they'll turn it over. You know, I, no, I wasn't watching that and oh, that kind of yeah, stuff. You know I what I mean? The lads in DIY would have been like, oh, so what did you work on before? And I'd be like, such and such and such and such. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, I wouldn't have been around for that. I'd be like, hmm, yeah, sure. Hmm. You know, so um, I should look each to their own, whatever you're into, you know? Yeah, exa- exactly. So let's go back a little bit, obviously, hmm. you know, because tell us about you growing up kind of as a as a child and stuff. You you tell us about were you in a big family or a small family? Um, no, I was in. So the, the family consists of my brother and my sister and my mum and my dad. But my dad passed away when I was 16. So that was tough. 
Um, and yeah, no, I was, I was pretty good. I was into sport big time, played a lot of basketball, GAA, which I'm still obsessed with today. Um, big into music, big into, you know, gigs, concerts, bands, that kind of thing. And yeah, in school I was, yeah, I was good. I was never, I wasn't a class clown or anything. I was head girl when I was in sixth year, um, which I was proud of. I'm very proud of. And yeah, I just, I was a really, yeah, I was a normal enough teenager, I think. I was obsessed with, though, and I still am, paranormal stuff and ghosts and all that kind of stuff. So, and I still am. So, um, yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because we all have these little things we love or, you know, I, I, I love that as well. I love kind of mystery stuff. Paranormal, I dabble in it, but then I always, I'm watching, I'm like, that's not real. No, that's put on or it's a TV show, but. It, uh, no, I'm, I'm a big horror girl. I'm yeah. Girl, well, so. I love horror. Don't get me wrong. I love horror. That's one of my favorite genres. But what I don't like are these kind of haunted ghost shows because I find them very fabricated. I like I like mystery shows, you know, where they're trying to find answers and supernatural stuff. But when I feel like, oh, no, this is too prefabricated and it's too put on and you just don't know if you can believe it or not. Well, it's funny because one of the lads that I worked with in Virgin Media worked for a very popular one in the UK. I won't mention the name and um, said that it was all fake. And he absolutely, my dreams were gutted. But I, to this day, I don't believe him. So yeah. well, <laughs> well, we, Actually, last season, we had one of Paranormal Supernatural Ireland, one of the guys on. We had a podcast episode and, you know, he he debunked a lot of stuff there, like, you know, about ghosts mm. coming out at night and only nighttime and so on. And he was talking about those shows as well. Now, I won't give away too much, but it's quite interesting when you see people who work in that field and the things they see on television that are merely for entertainment, you know. Well, I'm actually the group that you mentioned. I'm actually in another, the equivalent to that one here as well in Paranormal Researchers Ireland. So we would have run, we run Loftus Hall and we did lockdowns, we do lockdowns and we're going to actually Spike Island in February. Very good. That's really interesting. So, yeah, that's going to be a, a very, very, it's a, it's a very uh, secluded island, which no way to get off it. Um, the girls have done it before um, and some strange things have happened. So watch out for that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it's like what, what he said when he was on the show, you know, it's mm. a lot of energy and so on. But, you know, I suppose mm. nobody really has the answers. But I think what in that kind of things, what you're doing, you're you're actually going there and you're living it. But I think when there's more TV cameras and more producers and directors around and, you know, it it is a big show on TV, sometimes if nothing's happening, they have to create it. So unfortunately... What you're doing is more real than what they'll ever do in three episodes, three seasons. <laughs> depends on the producer, you know, it depends on the ethics and morals of the producer, depending on what they're trying to get. If they're kind of like searching for things that are real. Yeah, I won't go any further. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Can I go back there? Because I actually yeah. saw I saw a lovely post you had. I think it was on Facebook, whatever I saw, you know, for when, when uh, for, for your dad. So when your when your dad died when you were 16, I saw you had a post and it was really nice because you were saying, you know, you know, it's been so long and, and uh, I hope you're proud of me and everything. And that was lovely. So for you, losing your dad at 16 was very difficult because it's that kind of age when you're just 
you know, becoming a woman and you're still need that role model there and, and it's a big loss in your life. So did that really impact on your life a lot? Um, yeah, I think it did. Like, I mean, I really, I think when it happened, I don't think I, I kind of like to me, you know, I was only a couple of days into fifth year in, in secondary school and I came home and it had happened. It was completely out of blue um and it to me it was like well actually I have my leaving cert to do so I have to throw myself into it and and as time progressed I think you know um as things happened as things do as you grow up and you experience life it was more when you know say I broke up with somebody or something like that that's when it would kind of regurgitate or it would kind of come back because I'd never really kind of fully dealt with it I don't think um but I think you know it's yeah like it's tough when events happen like so when I graduated or even as I got to an age of where I could go down and have a point like I always say now I would love to have had a go you know ring my dad and say come on go down for a point because I'm that type of girl do you know what I mean I'm not I'm not really really girly but I'd be like come on we go for a pint like again it's like because I drink a pint again do you know what I mean um I'm getting married in May and and that's going to kill me the fact that like he's not there to walk me down the aisle so but I think you know through doing the paranormal stuff and you know things that have happened I think over the years have kind of made me realize he is always there with me so there is that form of peace of mind there as well so I don't know everybody deals with it differently and I think I did find myself quite lost for a while on what I wanted to do um because you know I had a sister who was in the medical field I had a brother who is he's a presenter on Virgin Media um sports presenter now and he's in media and I kind of was like what am I I I, even to this day I still don't sometimes know what I'm supposed to do or what I you know it's that typical question that you asked when what are you going to do when you grow up no idea I always wanted to be one of those people that was like yes I want to be a doctor I want to be set in stone of what I want but that was never for me so uh to bring it back to yeah it is it was tough um and it and it still is tough when things crop up and, and events happen but look it is what it is, you know, you just go with it. Yeah. And, and as you said, those kind of momentous occasions in your life, like weddings and graduations and stuff, that's the most difficult because you, you when you were younger and you were thinking of those future dates, you kind of always envisioned those important people being there. And now that they're not, it's difficult. But like you said, you just have to move on. Um, and obviously, you know, one thing I'm wondering is then, when you were doing your leave insert and I don't know if you had applied for college and so on, do you think it, it changed then what you wanted to do with your life? Like, was that one of those things where you said, no, I'm going to remain focused or did you stop and say, look, let's reevaluate. Um, <laughs> it's funny because like I'd say through that period, I was very kind of focused on getting into college what it was I was going to do in college I don't know um so you know I was getting advice from left right and center and I kind of was like right okay actually yeah I'd like that I'd I was going to go for social care and I was going to go for psych nursing because my sister had kind of done that and I was thinking oh yeah I think I'd be good at that 
Um, and then I think it was the change of mind form in July, which you can change, you know, the first one's February and then July is your, your last chance to really kind of make up your mind. And I think I had gone to a take that concert two days beforehand. I was like, what are we doing? I have no interest in social care or social work. That's just so not me. Um, and I dropped it all and I put arts. <laughs> so literally, if Gary Barlow or any of them are looking, you have been my inspiration for getting into media. Well, I picked arts anyway. Um, and then as that followed on, I did, I, I kind of find it, I found it tough because I, I missed it by 10 points um when I got my results and I took that as like I had to do a PLC course and I just I found that really tough because all my friends were going to like UCD and Trinity and all that and I had to do a PLC course and there's nothing wrong with PLC courses at all but I just felt for myself that I just it probably just was all coming together again you know like I had all of a sudden in my head I was geared on doing my leaving search and it's tough because you're in a routine where you're from first year you know next year you're going to be in second year next year you're going to be in third year and then all of a sudden you don't know where you are and you don't know what you're doing and you're kind of at 17 by the way what do you want to do with the rest of your life I don't know <laughs> so I ended up the following year going to All Hallows to do a theology and English degree because I actually had kind of changed it a bit as well I was going to teach um and so yeah so I did four years there um yeah so and then I had another kind of life significant change after that I was I was going to go over to England with my partner and get the HDIP and then head to Australia and we broke up after five years which was very very tough and I just said nope back this I'm going to Australia so I packed up literally the day after I graduated, I headed to Oz on my own. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, you took yeah. a time out. I, t I had to. My brain was fried after my degree. I was, yeah, frazzled. Frazzled. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can imagine, you know, you were, you were doing theology and English literature, that kind of stuff. So it's a very deep and heavy course anyway. So after four years of it, you know, you're, you probably come out a lot wiser but at the same time, you're thinking, I just need a bit of simple life now, or a bit of fun. I needed a bit of fun. And it was, it was the best two years of my life. And I could just recommend it to anybody if you can get a chance to do it in your life. Just just pack up and go. And the best thing to do, it, as scary as it does sound, is to do it on your own. You don't have anybody to answer to. You don't have, you know, if you go out and make a fool of yourself in the bar one night, so what? You're probably never going to see those people again. Who cares? And you'll find out who you are. They'll have, <laughs> you, you'll go back there and they'll be like, we have the plaque on the wall where you went yes. crazy that night. <laughs> oh, do you remember that? Yeah, do you remember that? We remember you. <laughs> and you'll be like, I didn't even know I was in this town. <laughs> <laughs> so so did yeah. you, when you were in Australia, did you tour around? or how, And how long did you stay for entirely then? Yeah, so I went to Sydney. Um, I started off in Sydney and then in order to get your second year you need to because actually originally I had I was never coming home I didn't want to come home because me and my dad had gone to Australia my dad had lived in Australia when he was younger and um, I had gone with him when I was young as well so I, I had always kind of that taste for Australia so um, 
I was never coming home. And um, I started in Sydney. And then, as I said, to get your second year, you have to do regional work, which is, you know, um, can be farm work or that kind of thing or in the mines, that kind of thing. So I kind of got away with it. I did teaching. So I was teaching in the outback and i was this how this is how like far away it was i was an hour flight from sydney i was 19 hours on a bus and i was then a further two and a half hours out by car so think of the middle of nowhere and then multiply that by 100 like literally from here to the tv which is nothing over in my sitting room there'd be a kangaroo with by you like it was amazing it was so isolating um and desolate in some what way um but yeah surreal exactly and yeah so that was cool and and what I would do is this boys in the town and when they get to secondary school level they either go to boarding school or they do it over the internet so I would help them do schooling each day they would log in and so you'd have your kids you know from northern Australia southern territory northern territory and they'd all log into your classroom so I would do maths and science and stuff like that so I did that for three months and then I traveled the coast and then I lived in Melbourne for the remainder of what was two years so that was oh just the best so good so good I still have friends and I played football as well over there that's actually how I met most of my friends was through the football so yeah that kind of experience helps you grow up as well because you know a lot of people i think when they're you know stuck in ireland or england or wherever they're lit from you know they, they feel like they're grown up but then they go abroad and it opens their mind and they see how other people live and then when they come back they like say wow i am a different person from that whole trip yeah. like, like and now i'm an adult <laughs> yeah it kind of brings you that extra power. i know look each like each person is different and some people they don't need to do those trips but I, I was at the stage of my life I think as well I was sick of Ireland and I kind of it actually you know made me appreciate Ireland when I came back like I remember flying in um I was coming home I was so excited to come home and we flew in over the Liffey and I could see the SIP2 building and I could see the Liffey it was a perfect clear day and I just got so excited about Dublin City like it was just it was fat. It was really, really cool. So yeah, like I mean, each to their own. But um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's really, nice. Really I mean, great. it's always nice wherever you are when you're coming home, even if it's only for a weekend or if it's you know for good. It's lovely when you're flying in and you see this little patch of land, and that's that's your country, and you're like, oh, you know, because it gives you that feeling, doesn't it? But I think I had to go away in order to appreciate. What yeah, exactly, was, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what is kind of, and, and still to this day, I kind of do still appreciate it. But I, like I said, you had to kind of go away to come back to. Yeah. To yeah. remember what you had. So when you were in Australia and Melbourne, you mm. you worked with St Kilda News, um, mm. and so how was that? Because as you said. You had done the theology and the English lit, and then obviously you your mind was kind of going towards the arts and towards media and that stuff. So how did you manage to wander into their offices, or how did you get that gig? I um I remember just kind of again in that mindset of what am I doing with my life, and kind of slightly panicking as well because I was getting a bit older, and you know I didn't want to, you know I did I I didn't want to not you know, I wasn't 18 either anymore. So I was like kind of 
had to kind of make decisions and so I decided right I was like I'll get a bit of experience with something local and so I just went online one day and googled a load of kind of local papers around and I got on to St Kilda and they got back to me and I met up with the main editor um, and just had a chat and yeah I just from then on started like I was working in the pub in PJ O'Brien's in um on the Yara and during that was at my time and we great crack and great fun then and then I would spend my other time kind of doing different articles and interviews and different uh, events and stuff um around St Kilda so because it wasn't too far from where I lived it was about 10 minutes from 10 minutes on tram from where I lived so yeah it was it was uh that's how that that began and I did a good few um articles yeah because i i I saw there obviously you were doing you know music and you know you then prostitution and all kinds of stories so it must have been quite interesting and did you feel like it's something you could if you had decided to stay there do you feel like it's something you could have continued doing um i would have liked to um but the difficulty with staying is not the um is not the kind of job that you decide to pick it's it's whether or not you can get sponsorship and that you know is a big thing over there because it costs a lot of money unfortunately and so you know a business has to decide whether or not they want to sponsor you and then they also have to put their trust in you to whether or not you're going to stay so like they could pay all this money out and then you get your citizenship or your or your um you know your Aussie passport and then you decide to go home and sure then they've spent all this money um so sponsorship was very hard to come by depending on what type of career you were in and so unfortunately it just didn't work out that way but look as as I say like what's for you won't pass you by yeah I mean it all it all things come to an end and you move on to the next thing so when you came when you came back to Ireland then and, you know, you wanted to to obviously do a master's in journalism and so on. Mm. So did that kind of help make up your mind? The fact you'd worked a little in media in Australia and you thought, OK, this is this is what I want to do. I mean, I, I've gone to take that concert. Gary and the boys <laughs> have convinced me. But there was a oh, seed God. planted already, wasn't there? Yeah. Like, well, even it was there before I grew up. Like I was I've always been mad into music. I've always been like obsessed with music, always known the lyrics of songs, always on to up to date with everything that was in the charts and showbiz and all that kind of stuff and but I also had a kind of in-depth um curiosity with news and current affairs as well so I had a good mix of both and a good interest in both and um yeah so that kind of helped um but I had applied for Griffith College before I left, so I had actually been accepted while I was in Australia. So that kind of was like, right, okay, you're starting in September. You know, this is... Something to rush back for. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's it. I think, but you see, I think that was as well from speaking to people who had gone home before me. They were like, make sure you've something organized for when you get back because the novelty wears off after a while when you've come home and then you're kind of like why did I come home so the fact that I had something lined up actually kind of helped the kind of progress of going back into Irish society is such a bit easier 
So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you were there, then there's always that question, I suppose, that producers get asked, you know, was there a choice between working in front of the camera or behind the camera? Because, you know, obviously, when you're when you're working in media, you know, you can go down different roads, you can be a host or, you know, I, I'm not saying you can be, but you might have that kind of ambition. But then some people are like, no, no, I don't want to be in front of a camera. I want to, you know, organize and be a project manager, or producer. So for you, did you have to think about exactly what you wanted to do or did it kind of happen in a natural way? Originally, I was going for news. I wanted to be a reporter. I was originally going kind of down that route and I had a good voice and I did. I was on. I did do news for 98 FM and Spin as well over time and Spirit. But I think. I think it made me realize, and this is for anybody who's who wants any kind of young people who want to go down that path, you really have to start using current affairs very early. So like if you're 16, get your experience in, you know, your local radio station. I think if I had started and if I had been a bit more clear in what I wanted in my own head um, a little earlier, I think it would have fallen into place a bit easier for me I did find it very difficult and I do suffer from anxiety which I only kind of found out through the process of it all my anxiety got very very bad um uh and I had to kind of deal with that as well so kind of and as well when you're working from a freelance (coughs) excuse me a freelance position it can be and a lot of my friends say this as well it's tough because you don't you're afraid sometimes to say no to anything so you'll say you won't say no and then you'll find yourself working straight for 28 days <laughs> and you've nearly killed yourself so it's kind of um it's a tough game but like i said the 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 earlier you start in for that kind of uh genre like your your news or current affairs you would want to be a little bit earlier so that kind of made me realize and then I kind of started dipping my toe in other areas so like producing and kind of content wise and putting things together and editing and that kind of thing and I found that that was more my role and that was more suited to my personality and my uh, creativity um, but it's good that I actually can do news and current affairs but my creative side is much more uh advanced than that would be if that makes sense um so yeah yeah because that's the thing isn't it because obviously with any kind of you know show whether it be a radio show or a tv show you have the presenters and the some of them are producers as well obviously but the real kind of bones of the show is in the you know the production and the direction of the show making sure everything is there so the show can go forward scheduling the guests there's so much behind the the scenes work that people don't really take or account of isn't there oh completely like i mean it's so funny when you look at a show which is an hour long you've no idea the in-depth work that goes in behind that and the planning that goes into it. And I think, and that's one thing I, I find that I actually ended up really loving is the organization, the planning. I love that. I love looking at, right, what, what can we do? How we can make this appealing? What can we get? How can we make it stand out? And then what do we need to do in order to get that all together and put it together and tick things off lists? And I love, love organizing that kind of stuff and having it to to a tea to timing um and that kind of thing so i'm a bit kind of pedantic when it comes to 
to organizational skills and um, that kind of thing. You know? Making sure everything is in the right box and so on. Yeah, yeah and, definitely. Even yeah. if it's a little to the left and should be in the middle, that will drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and did you find as well, you know, because when you were working with, you know, 98 FM and Spin, mm. once you started getting into production on that side, um, then going from radio production to TV production, was that a big jump or was it very different for you? No, I was actually, I was doing it all at the same time. So I was doing news at the time as well as doing kind of the radio at the weekend. All right. Okay. So I was the assistant producer on news and I was doing 98FM and spin during the weekend. So then I got role, I got offered a contract with assistant producer for the Elaine show. And I just said, yeah, like contracts don't come by very, very often. Um, I would be silly at my stage of life in what I wanted to do with my life and, and where I was going with my life to turn it down. Um, so I took it. And yeah. Okay. And, you know, nowadays when you see lots of TV shows, it's kind of, I, I put this analogy forward kind of like, it's like you see, for example, when a, a song comes out at the moment, you know, and in the past, there'd be one or two songwriters, but now there's like seven, you know, they go to pick up the Grammy for best song and there's like eight songwriters on stage. But it's kind of a bit like that with TV now. You see, you know, producer, producer, executive producer. Like I was watching a thing the other night and there were so many producers on it and executive producers. And then, of course, you get the stars of the show or the film who are executive producers as well. So when you're working on TV specifically, when they are kind of saying who has this role and who has that role, how do you kind of divvy that out? Like you saying, well, you know, he's the boss, he's the executive producer. And someone says, well, I want to be a producer as well. How do you make sure that there's no, too many, not too many chefs in the kitchen? I think it's important, like, you know, unfortunately, to have an even balance is not always going to happen. And they're, you're dealing, you're not just dealing with people, you're dealing with different personalities, you're dealing with egos, you're dealing with, you know, demands from higher, higher, higher people. So a lot of the time it can be hard to find an equal balance. But I think, and this is always I say when you're, you're, you're producing, the most important thing that you can start off with is a really good kind of rapport with you and your team. Let them know, no matter whether they're a researcher or a producer or an exec producer, if they have an idea, put it out on the table. Don't be afraid to talk. Don't be thinking anything is, you know, any of your ideas sound stupid or that just because you have a title that, you know, you can't put an idea forward or offer to do something. Like, obviously, titles are there for a reason due to experience and all that, but it doesn't mean that you cannot either show your skills or show your creativity or muck, you know, like, like on DIY, I was assistant producer on DIY, but my location manager, which is a totally different job, needed help. I went out and got stuck in with her. She needed, you know, stuff to be dropped off in the van. I did that as well. It's all about working together. And I think, okay, yes, you have a title, but I think everybody should kind of, when you're working on a team, step outside that title. And one, if you're a researcher, you know, like go and, and like I said, location manager, give them a hand. You'll always pick up something. You'll always, but you'll always be seen then as well as somebody who's not just like, well, you know, 
my position is this and I only do this. You don't. In media, as I say, it's not a nine to five job and it's not a set title. You might do things that are under your title and that are associated with your title, but it doesn't mean that you can't step outside that, give other people a hand, as well as bring your own creativity. You know, as they say, two minds are better than one. And that relates to everything, whether it's location managing, assistant producer, director. Don't be afraid to kind of step outside your title and give more if you feel that you have it. Yeah. Well, I kind of take it in the sense that if, if you're doing it as one person, you have to do everything. So the fact is, for a lot of people, maybe they haven't done it as one person, but you'll see the, the other people who have, for example, who worked one time as a location manager or worked one time as a, a runner or whatever, and they'll be willing to, when it comes down to it, say, yeah, I can help you with that. I have experience in that. But I, even if I don't, I'm willing to help. And that's what makes a good team, isn't it? It is definitely. I mean, if you decide you want to get into media and you have determination and drive, you're halfway there. If there's one thing that I feel I cannot stand when I'm working on a project is people who I'm not I would I'd hate to call it being lazy, but just kind of that you have to put a fire under them. Like, you know, you want to be here, you wanted you applied for this position, then give it a hundred percent. That means thinking outside the box. That means thinking ahead of the game. And and I know it kind of might sound all slightly cliche. It might be like, oh, but that is how you progress. It's being two steps ahead of what's going on. And preempting stuff. Preempting, exactly. Because that's how you, it's like one of the interviews I got for the Elaine show. um, It was Married at First Sight in Australia was being played over here now it was I think we were behind them in broadcasting but we it was massive over here and the girl who was the absolute evil character in it it was the final was on that night and I just went on and I just was like ah found her email and I said ah sure I'll give it a go and try and got her and I got an exclusive for the show and the only one in the country after the finale which completely revolved around here. Now, if I hadn't have tried or if I didn't bother, you wouldn't have got it. So you have to have that kind of drive and kind of passion for wanting to, and kind of, I would say, competitiveness to a certain extent to want to get the best, do the best and get the best for whatever you're working on. So, Well, I mean, it is. I was fun, It was funny. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and they said they were, we were talking and I, I know him for a few months or whatever and he said to me I said I have to go home I, I'm, I'm working on my podcast and he said oh you have a podcast and I said he said yeah and he said and who do you interview and I said well you know interesting people I said I said you know sometimes celebrities singers whatever just people with stories and and he said uh, how do you how do you get them and and I said well I just I contact them and he said, yeah, but he was looking at, I could see his face and what he was, what he was trying to say was like, yeah, but, but who are you? Like, how, why would they talk to you? This is what his face was telling me. So I said to him, I said, look, it doesn't matter. I said, you know, this is the great thing about the internet and phone calls and everything. Now you can contact people and fair enough when you start out in the beginning and you're not as well known, it's harder to get those interviews, but then you just keep 
trodden along and kind of saying, this is what's happening. And then you're interested. And, you know, sometimes with celebrities, it's kind of, a, it can be a little bit shallow and they, they're kind of curious about who else has been on your show and this kind of stuff. But that comes, that's par for the course. But the thing about it is, like you said there, you have to have those, that, the balls. You have to say, listen, hi, yeah, I'm reaching out. Is there any chance, whatever? And they might say no. And you'd say, oh, I'll come back to you in a few weeks. So I think like being a producer, you have to have those balls. You have to be able to say, look, at, I'm going to take a chance on this married with life thing. Maybe are married, married at first sight or whatever. It mightn't work out, but it could work out brilliantly. It has. And I've had so many, um, so many incidents like that where I've gotten unbelievable guests at the drop of a hat because I've just said, ah, sure, give it a go and see if they answer. Do you know, and I have, like, I did a whole series on Elaine of throwback, uh, was it, yeah, throwback Tuesdays where I ended up getting, yeah, and I got some amazing, I got Chesney Hawks, I got, um, you know, Two Unlimited, I got Atomic Kitten, like, you know, I got Kim Wilde, and it was just literally, I had built relationships with people and I had and as well as that your rapport helps as well how you deal with it like if you go in you know being too serious and and, and it's 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 off-putting but like they say if you don't try you don't know so if you don't ask you don't get yeah no you have you have to try and and you know sometimes it's even it's how you send that message whatever so I remember someone they were ignoring my messages completely. And I said, look, I'm really persistent. I, I, I'm not going to bother you, but I don't want to give up. And then they replied. And so sometimes that little bit of... De- no, it wasn't, no. <laughs> Some, sometimes a little bit of desperation works. You know, you have to try everything, don't you? It wasn't you, don't worry. Yeah. I will say, though, the Irish term does help. We do have a knack for definitely. And I did find that when I was in Australia, our whatever way that we come across is very, um, I, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's very kind of persuasive and it's very um, appealing to to people. So we, we, all, we all have a little bit of Mrs. Doyle in us. You know, you will, you will, you will. <laughs> yeah, you will. Exactly. Yeah. Just maybe not the look. <laughs> not the look. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's it. And, but I think no matter where you're from, you know, working in any kind of media thing where you're trying to get guests or you're trying to get stuff for the show, you have to learn to be more persuasive because obviously you're never going to progress or never going to get further. You know, for you, when you, um, then you know so you were in virgin or you were in that was tv3 at the time so wasn't it yeah and it changed over to virgin so i was actually in the yeah i was in the the i was in the company when it changed yeah Yeah. so tell us about that because i always wondered you know when tv3 who were like in you know big competition with rt and everything but then obviously when virgin came in did did things change dramatically or was it just the name um it wasn't, I think they had a more modern outlook um, to kind of programs and kind of mixing things up, which was good. Um, and kind of, again, getting the best that can that can be. Um, so I think, you know, they were, they were willing to think a bit more outside the box when it came to content um, and trying to appeal to the Irish audience, both of every age bracket which was good um so yeah like I think there was a bit of a change there was 
kind of, I suppose, a modern twist with Virgin Media brought with it um, as as it changed over from purple to red. <laughs> yes. And the other thing was as well, I remember, you know, even being in Spain here, but let's say having the Irish channels and, you know, it was really interesting because you would put on ITV and whatever program was on ITV was usually on TV3. <laughs> In the evening, in the evening. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we did have some links yeah. there with yeah. them, obviously. Yeah. But, but, but that was the, yeah, so there was that kind of a thing. It wasn't so much during the daytime, but in the evening, there was lots of similar programming and the channels. But obviously, then with Virgin, that changed a little bit then, and it kind of made TV3 into a different animal, didn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose you also have to remember that we're not state-funded like RTE. We don't have the funds that they have to put into projects so now don't get me wrong some of the ones that came out from version are like fantastic to watch um but unfortunately it can come down to uh the money unfortunately the 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 green sign you know so um but i think you know i absolutely loved working for them and the relationships that were formed and the you know the work ethic and like i said before it was a great place to kind of if if you said you could go in and do something and you wanted to do something they would let you do it and they would let you show your skills or you know which was great so it was really really good so yeah, that's how I upskilled a bit. So the thing is then, obviously, working on, you know, daytime programming and, and, you know, you have a lot of competition, obviously, with the British shows, Loose Women and, you know, Good Morning, or not Good Morning, but Morning AM and, all, you know, all, like Morning AM, the TV3, but all the English shows. Um, so was that something that you think that Irish TV improved on? over the years that we managed to kind of have a you know, smaller population, smaller audience than the British, but probably for years we were lagging behind a bit with the morning TV and so on. Do you think it's something then that really changed? Well, no, I think I, I wouldn't use the morning TV as an example because, like, in fairness, TV3, i.e. Virgin Media, have the only real breakfast show in the country. Um, and it's a great show and it's a great three hour slot to publicize things, to get really good messages out there as well as having fun. It, it really kind of um, covers a wide range of 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 different topics and different scenarios and that kind of thing and, and really good presenters and really good personalities. And it has actually become a kind of. Um, I don't know what you call it, Institute really in Ireland, uh, the, that, that morning show. So it's ingrained within Irish people that the breakfast show of Ireland is Ireland AM, which belongs to Virgin and not RTE, um, which is which is really good. So, but I do think kind of, again, like I said, it all just boils down to money and the availability of, of what is, is, is available to you. Um, and that's why I'm saying coming back to as a producer in Ireland, that can put a lot of barriers up for you. And in order to not get tired out by that, you have to have that drive and that, that passion for it because you will hit a lot of walls along the way. And you cannot let that stop you from producing something that's really good or putting something together that's really good. You have to work with what you have. You know, you don't have the budgets that are in the UK. You don't have access to a lot of celebrities. 
dropping that kind of thing at your at your fingertips or money at your fingertips. So you have to work with what you have. But I think we do a really good job in what we have. So yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine obviously, you know, in TV3 and Virgin and RT, all of these, when there are good producers, I, that talent pool, I imagine, is poached a little from the UK as well, no? Um, I think, you know, from listening to friends, and obviously my brother worked in the UK with sports TV stations for 12 years, it's a very different ballgame. And I was tempted to go to the UK myself, but I actually don't think I would have liked it. I think from what I've heard, it's a lot colder. And I think the Irish production and the Irish kind of relationships you make here and friendships you make are just a lot nicer. And, you know, it's it's I'm not saying it's easier. It's not easier. Media is very hard to get into and very, you know, it's a tough cutthroat business. Um, but in the UK, you've a lot more competition and it's a lot worse. So I would say stick to the stick to the Irish side. <laughs> stick to the <laughs> stick to these shores, yeah. Because it's funny actually, you know, I know me and my wife were watching recently that show on Apple TV, you know, with Jennifer Aniston, the good morning show. And I mean it was quite entertaining, but I know it's probably a little far fetched and exaggerated, but it just shows you as well you know, the, you have a big team and the bigger the show is and the more the ratings count, it can be quite ruthless and quite cutthroat. And obviously the stars of the show, you know, their lives can't be very private for a lot of their lives. And, you know, they can't fart or sneeze without the papers catching wind of it, uh, excuse the pun. And But the thing is, that show really showed kind of things that we wouldn't normally see too, didn't it? Like, I mean, every, you know, presenters have shelf lives. We have shelf lives as, as well, you know, and it's an industry where, you know, you're appealing to the public, you're appealing to to people and to, you know, there's only very seldom that you'll get a gay burn, very seldom that you'll get a, you know, uh Oh, Terry Wogan, you know, people who will last generations on TV. Um, and, you know, as well, it depends on the decade as well. Like I said, Gay Byrne brought in things, approached topics when things were hot and, you know, you wouldn't even touch, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the nightdress incident one, you know, the, the typical Late Late Show. And, but as well as that, what's changed, I think, as well, is that everybody wants that 15 minutes of fame. They want that. And then they want, it's it's, it's an addictive. So like when the likes of Gay Byrne would have began or Terry Wogan, it was few and far between. And people weren't, you know, people didn't have the opportunities that they have nowadays. Um, now, so many people want to get into the media that there's more choice. And so that there's a bigger turnover. So there's not as many memorable characters or presenters that, like there's a few that come to mind now with me, but like I said, they'll, they have shelf lives and unfortunately it's a rollover. Um, but that's just a sign of the times really. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, everything, when you look at, you know, reality TV, 
And the winners of a lot of these Love Islands and, you know, celebrity or not even celebrity, but, you know, stuck in the jungle and all of these shows. You kind of (laughs) know that these people are using them as stepping stones to something else. And there's there's levels because I always say, you know, the winners, maybe you'll see on some morning show or some afternoon show or something. And then further down the line, they might be on these, you know, late night gambling shows or, you know, the spinning the roulette wheel. So. There's different shopping levels, channels. shopping channels, exactly. So now, though, the, we have a we have a bigger pool, and I won't say a talent pool because we have a bigger pool with less talent. And all of those people, maybe one out of every hundred of those, you know, new presenters, you might get someone who's really good. Yeah, but like, I mean, yeah, that's true. That is very true. But then again, at the same time, look, if that's what they want to go for and they want to do that, go for it. Like, um, but have it at the back of your mind that this, there are two possible ways that this can go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You can go left or right. And I mean, you have to be strong enough to, if you're going to put yourself in that position, you have to be strong enough to deal with the repercussions and the possibility of, you know, like because we've so much more access as well to people now through social media and your Twitter and your Instagram and Facebook that it can have huge effects on that person. Like if you look at the likes of Caroline Flack, you know, fantastic presenter, beautiful girl. And unfortunately, you know, was hounded by people online and it affected her and like for such it it just it still gets me to this day because to to think that she was in that mindset and couldn't reach out for help and this was all done because of the path she decided to kind of go down and the direction that other people decided to take on her you have to be such a strong person and I'm not saying she wasn't a strong person she was but everybody has their limits and everybody has a breaking point and unfortunately you know, like, oh, just even talking about it, I just, it, you know, like, and unfortunately, that is the way it's gone. Yeah, and see, probably there's a bit of a pattern there as well, because, you know, there probably are a lot of strong-willed and strong-minded presenters and so on, but there's also a lot of them that are really good in front of the camera, but in their own personal life, maybe they can't deal with stuff and they can't manage it. And those snide comments and, you know, the 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 infringing on their privacy gets to them too much. So in that sense, the animal outside the TV studios becomes much bigger and they can't live with it and they can't deal with it. And it's a shame the way it really spirals, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think maybe that's something like I know we've mental health has become such a big issue over the last couple of years. And I know myself because I've struggled from anxiety and I've I've <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm so glad that they're taking much more of a, a you know, people are recognizing it more. But I think. Hopefully with that and with it being talked about more and as I said being recognized in schools and education and all that that will be a you know a strengthening for those who decide to go forward and go into social media because if you or into presenting because if you think about it like when I went to school and I only did my leaving cert in 2006 like mental health what <laughs> like what's that yeah what's wrong with you get up yeah, your yeah. hand yeah yeah do you know what I mean Whereas now they're getting the building blocks at an earlier age. So hopefully it'll be, if they decide to go down that route, 
and social media or God knows whatever the future of you know social media or the next big thing is is that they will have the building blocks and the kind of you know tools to be able to deal with that and not hopefully unfortunately have other incidents like we've had with certain celebrities like yeah so you know just staying for a little bit on that like celebrity without names without mentioning anybody like when you've had when you've been dealing with guests and even people you've been working around um and you get someone who's a diva or a guy or girl or whoever would like that give you problems what's your kind of strategy how do you how do you kind of diffuse that situation so you can all manage to work together you bite your tongue <laughs> <laughs> okay no look i mean it, it depends on the situation like obviously if if situations arise and that somebody in the team is not being you know individually or like okay, you may have drama, you may have things, but you also have to remember you need to speak up for yourself. Like, there's no point in talking about all this kind of equality in the workplace and, you know, standing up for women and girls sticking together and Me Too and all this if you don't stick up for yourself. So, you know, you have to, to a certain point and in a respectful way and in a professional way, make sure that your voice is heard as well. Because that is important. There's no, like I said, no point in going on about all these campaigns if we actually, when it comes down to it, we don't do anything about it in our own lives. Um, and I think with dealing with kind of individuals, like I said, if somebody is out of line um, or, you know, you'll approach it and you'll do it in a respectful manner. Obviously, you're not going to go in all guns blazing, but you approach it. Um, and you see what the situation is and you try and find an equal level or an equal balance between both. Okay. And sometimes then again, as well, you also have to take into account of whatever's happening. Like if something's happening in that person's life, you know, or just like if it's, if it's out of character for one of your teams, think in your head or your team members think in your head, okay, maybe there's something going on or maybe there's something you can't see. You just have to, yeah, you have to assess the situation because every situation is different be it with people with big egos, be it with your team, be it with, you know, the person that sits across from you, whatever. You don't know what's going on. So you need to evaluate each different um, situation. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, you worked in, I think it was like seven years or so, you worked in TV3 and Virgin, wasn't it? Seven years or, yeah, Virgin, around that. Virgin Media, yeah, yeah. seven and a half years. Yeah, so, so the thing is, in that kind of um, time frame, do you feel that it's possible to work up the ladder or is it very difficult like to get, you know, to, to say, OK, I'm working as a, a system producer and I want to be a producer. Are there many opportunities or do you have to wait for somebody to leave? Um, it's doable. Yeah, no, it is doable. Um, but again, it actually can come down to timing. Like you said, um, it's it can it can be. But as well, it's all about as well upping your skills. Like if you go in as a researcher, you go in and okay, you learn your line, you learn your position as a researcher, you learn your job inside out, you do it to the best of your ability. But you also look over your shoulder and be like, okay, well, what do I do if I'm an assistant producer? What's the difference? You show initiative if you show show um, creativity in going forward. Yeah, there definitely is a chance for you to progress. But again, timing is 
is is a big thing. And like I said, what's for you won't pass you by. Yeah, and I can imagine in some roles there are producers that are there for years and years and maybe there's like somebody coming up the ladder and they're like thinking, I'd love to do that job, but I have to go to another production company or another TV company. That's you have to kind of move around, don't you? Yeah, you do. Like, I mean, like myself now, I'm in, in freelance. I'm going back freelance now and I'm, I'm dipping my toe in different things. And like I said, I'm, Jesus, I'm, I'm working from gone from working on a, a all girl, very a female dominant show to, building houses and <laughs> learning about joinery and slabbing yeah. and and you know never never like I said my dad would be proud um and I can do a few jobs there in the house but um and you have a team you can call <laughs> and I have a team I can call definitely definitely yeah. if I need a if I need a, a carpenter or so um but yeah like it's it's good to kind of dip your toe in in different different sections and 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 different but because through that as well you'll find out what you want and you'll find out what you like so you know what you might thought would have suited you and as soon as you get in you could hate it so at least with the freelance world sometimes you're only assigned to it for a certain time and you could go god i'll never go near that again or oh my god i absolutely love that so and do you have you ever had aspirations to move into film production or to work you know on movies or anything uh no i like doing kind of vts um like small video compilations and i used to do that a lot in the lane especially around halloween or i would do um you know little different types of pieces or different creative pieces but film no i think i would be i'm more better for the hour <laughs> the hour show <laughs> much more suited to that it, yeah. to be saying to you it's a three-hour documentary by peter jackson you're like no, no i'll stick to the morning show or something well they'll never say never <laughs> never That's say thing, never though. never yeah. say never if the right one came along i would well, you know, you know what's really interesting, though, the fact, as you said, you're freelance now, it's more about the gigs that come along, isn't it? Because you could get a great offer for something that you might have never foreseen yourself doing. And in a year or two, look back and go, wow, I never thought I'd be doing this kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's like there's so many more doors open to you um, and it's great. Like, and you meet so many different people. And like, as well as they say, Ireland is a small country. So you will bump into people that you've worked with before and you've, or they'll know somebody that you know. And, you know, and that's great as well because regarding your recommendations and that's how you kind of build your profile and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was really, really good to say. You know, looking back then, what's kind of been some of the highlights or was there one main highlight so far in your career that you look back on fondly? Um, there's, God, there's loads. Like, um, I loved, I did love my stint working on news. Um, I did find it tough. I will admit that it was very tough. Um, I did a really good piece in, <coughs> excuse me, in um, for Halloween, which I went over to Salem. And I did a whole piece looking back or looking at the connection between Ireland and the Salem witch trials. So I, I got over there. I got over to Salem in Massachusetts, which was amazing. Considering you love the paranormal. Oh, my God. It was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like a, a, a trip in a lifetime, definitely. And I had my presenter there with me who was who's an amazing presenter, Sarah Cleary. So she she knew her her stuff which was great 
um, the history and the connections and it was amazing really really good and then you know I did other things like my throwback Tuesdays I'm a huge 90s girl I'm a huge music fan and so to interview some of like the people who I had on my wall when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I saw like, Pop Strong and those, yeah. Scott yeah. and Five. And I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to him. Like, okay, <laughs> talk about fangirl moments completely over the last, you know, couple of, uh, the year I had covered that for. Um, and then as well, I did a really good BT with uh, Mary Byrne, where we taught her how to took her out of her comfort zone and taught her how to do burlesque dancing. So I put on a whole show in the, in the George and she did her, her piece and with Santina Lowe and that did, did really well. So yeah, I've got, I've so, I've so many and DIY SOS as well as a, a different, you know, completely mix up from, from being in the same kind of position with producing Elena over the seven years and then changing to something that was completely different was was um was was a nice little shake up as well and one to definitely remember with you know the transition yeah and the question i have for you there you know obviously because you're freelance now does does the work like do you have to look for work in different ways or do people contact you and say look this is happening six months down the line or are you hunting for things it's a bit of both really um you just keep on the lookout you keep in with your contacts you know yeah you just you just keep scouring and keep trawling and keep keep going for things yeah keep, so. keep hustling keep hustling that's yeah. it yeah, well listen it. listen Sinead it's been lovely talking to you and you know thanks for giving us some insights into your world and your past world and your current world and um have you any other projects beyond that you're working on that you can tell us about or is everything a secret uh i have a few in 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 the pipeline but sure look listen i'm on instagram and facebook you'll 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 find out soon enough on that we'll keep track of that but listen thanks for coming on the show it's been lovely to speak to you and you know you're welcome anytime and best of luck with everything in the next year or so yeah thanks a million for having me on very good Sinead dalton everyone thanks a lot Sinead Okay, thank you very much, Sinead. That was really interesting listening to you and everything that goes into the work of being a TV producer and all it entails. So thank you very much for your stories and some wonderful anecdotes there of life behind the camera. That was Sinead Dalton. I hope you enjoyed that interview and I hope you keep coming back for more great content and great guests on this show, the Collective Whisper podcast with me, Simon Kay. So until the next time, look after yourself, look after your family and take care. Thank you. Bye bye.